Thanks for checking out this video. My name's Kiara, and I hope you enjoy this message from Redemption Church. Good morning. Hey, if you got a Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 7 this morning. We're continuing on in our series entitled Summer Camp, and the goal of every good summer camp is to make friends. We've done that a little bit, and to meet Jesus. And so every uh, sermon, or I'm sorry, every week we get to a point where after we've sung and we've done everything else, we open up the scripture uh, as relevant today as it's ever been, and we let it teach us uh, and point us to Jesus as all of scripture does. And so this morning, we're looking at a story that sounds like a joke, a Pharisee, a prostitute, and a moneylender. They all are at the same party, or at least the story about the moneylender. So we're going to look at each three of these characters this morning and see what this teaches us or reveals about our relationship with Jesus. And, and the point of looking at these different characters this morning and what it teaches us uh, is to find out uh, of the two main characters, the Pharisee and the prostitute, uh, of which of the indicators in these two characters uh, do you most connect with? And so we'll see as we go through the story. Let me establish the setting of the story for you. Uh, the story takes place in the Pharisee, whose name is Simon, in his home. Uh, now, uh, homes back then, or the way this particular house would have worked, uh, as a Pharisee, he would have been a, a highly intellectual. He would have been wealthy. Uh, he would have um, had some you know, great like religious um, kind of sphere of influence. And his home uh, would not have just been like inside. This wasn't like a private party where everyone comes inside and hangs out. Uh, it would have been out in his courtyard. And so I think maybe more of like an open house or a barbecue or a graduation party or something like that, where people would kind of flow in and out of the party. And the entertainment for this particular party was an up-and-coming, or at that point in time, a somewhat famous Jewish rabbi, a Nazarene, Jesus. And so this Simon the Pharisee invites Jesus into his house as kind of the dinner guest or the, um, the, the entertainment for the party. And so Jesus would have been out in the courtyard uh, reclining, it says, kind of laying out on a pillow. And then there would have been good Mediterranean food out there that they were all kind of picking at and eating. And people would walk in and out. And Jesus would share stories and he would talk about uh, his values of the kingdom and he would answer their questions. Again, people walking in and hearing a little bit and then walking out. And so this is at Simon's house. So I would imagine most of the guests were probably his friends. And he uh, would have had kind of a reputation boost for having Jesus as his guest uh, that evening. And so the first half of the story today, we're going to focus in on Simon, the intellectual, wealthy, moral, good religious man. A lot of those check marks are things probably a lot of us would like to obtain. High intellect, being known as a good, moral, religious person, having Jesus in our house. We're going to see how he interacts first, and then we'll see how the prostitute interacts second. I have for you this morning, this is a record, 21 points. So if you take notes, get ready. You can open up your notebooks, turn to week eight, um, and, and follow along here. And uh, the way the points are going to work out, there's um, six different categories. And category number one is this, six indications of religious, excuse me, religious unbelief. Let me say that again, religious unbelief. 
That might seem paradoxical, like the idea of religion uh, is belief. But what we're going to see here this morning is that his religion is actually the source of his unbelief or his lack of belief in Jesus. And from Simon the Pharisee, we're going to see six indicators uh, that might reveal religious unbelief. Or if the phrase religious unbelief isn't connecting with you, uh, let me say it this way. Six indications that you or I may have a casual relationship with Jesus, an intellectual relationship with Jesus, or a self-serving relationship with Jesus. Six indications that our relationship with Jesus might be more about us than it is about him. Six indications in the story. The way the story plays out is eventually, uh, as Jesus is reclining at the table, the prostitute ends up walking in. When the prostitute walks in, uh, the, one of the first things that Simon thinks is, if Jesus knew who this woman was, uh, then he wouldn't be nice to her. And he goes on to say, if he were a prophet, indication number one of religious belief is denying the prophetic nature of Jesus or saying this potentially a different way, denying the true nature or the full nature of Jesus. We believe Jesus to be both fully God and fully man, that his death on the cross was absolutely essential to our salvation, that his death was the payment for our sin, that his resurrection was the power over sin, that Jesus lived a sinless life, but that he being both fully God and fully man is essential. That if we look at the metaphors of the Old Testament, not only was Jesus prophet, but he was also priest and king. He is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament. He was around before the world began, and he'll be around long after this earth ends. And any denial of the nature of Jesus revealed in the scriptures is an indication of religious unbelief. It's taking Jesus, who he is, and trying to minimize him. Any statement that Jesus is a good teacher, a good man, a good historical figure, but not the sinless son of God is wrong, inaccurate, and an indication of religious unbelief, a casual or an intellectual maybe even a historical relationship with Jesus, but not the proper relationship with Jesus. I mean, look at Simon. He invited him into his home. He sat and listened to his stories. Indication number two, as the uh, story progresses, there comes a point where Jesus compares how the Pharisee and the prostitute have both dealt with him. An indication uh, number two is denying Jesus his true worship. Denying him is true worship. See, what happens is the um, prostitute ends up um, doing for Jesus what the Pharisee should have done. The Pharisee should have kissed him as his honorary guest on the cheek. He, he should have washed his feet. He should have um, poured ointment or um, some kind of sense, incense over him to make him smell a little bit better. Uh, when he had gotten there. That's what should have happened. But the Pharisee refused Jesus's proper worship. An indication of religious unbelief or an indication of a casual, an intellectual, or a self-serving relationship with Jesus is denying him his true worship. It's denying him the, the, the wholeness of your heart, the wholeness of your mind, or as he says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and strength. It's denying him uh, the worship due his name, the reverence due his name. 
uh, said another way, uh, it is um, worshiping little, um, being generous little, serving little, uh, um, offering Jesus little, but maintaining some type of relationship so that if there is a moment in the future when you need him, you have it. See, Simon, what was his motivation for inviting Jesus? It clearly wasn't to worship him. Uh, It wasn't to enjoy his presence. There was something in it for him, a reputation boost probably, or maybe just a a relationship that I'll hold on to this relationship with Jesus. If he wins in the end, then maybe I'll come around. If I need something in the future, maybe I'll come around. So I'll I'll keep going to church because just in case something bad happens, then I'm going to need Jesus to step in. And we almost look like our relationship with Jesus like a bank account. Like, I'm going to store over some Jesus points so if something goes bad, I can pull them out and use them. It's indication number two of a, of a religious unbelief. Indication number three is that when the woman comes in, what, Jesus, or what the Pharisee says about her is, she's a sinner. She's a sinner. Indication number three of religious unbelief is when we define people by their sin. We don't see them. We don't see them in their humanity. We don't see them in their hurt. We don't see them in their joys or their passions. We don't see them in what God could do in them. We just see them by their sin. Oh, that's the adulterer. That's the embezzler. That's the homosexual. That's the prostitute. And that's all I see. I don't see anything else. That's it. Just their sin. And then we define them by their sin. Indication number three, they might have a casual or intellectual or religious unbelief. This is how Simon treats the woman. Indication number four, uh, as the story kind of continues on, indication number four is uh, at some point in time, Jesus stops and he tells a story. We'll get to the story in a little bit. And then at the end of the story, he says, Simon, what's the answer to the magical question of the story? And guess what? Simon answers it 100% correctly. He answers the question correctly. Indication number four of religious unbelief is understanding the gospel, but not being moved by the gospel. Some of you, because of summer camp, when you grew up, you could come up here and recite verses of salvation that we've never even talked about here as a church, but you remember them, the Romans road or something else, or you could explain the gospel because of a tract or because of all the church that you have gotten and you understand the gospel and you could answer the questions right, but it doesn't move you. Indication four of religious belief or a casual intellectual relationship with Jesus is understanding the gospel, knowing gospel truth, being able to recite gospel truth and not being moved by the gospel. It just hits. It's like a tennis ball going against a brick wall. Just hits it and it just comes back, but nothing really changes. Nothing really moves. Maybe every once in a while on the wall, right, this hypothetical brick wall, a little bit of it comes across and that's like a little bit of life change. But by and large, nothing really changes or moves in your heart. The gospel doesn't move you anymore. You understand it. Oh, but it just hits and bounces off. It's indication four of religious unbelief. Simon answers the question perfectly right. And it doesn't move them. Indication number five of religious unbelief. Indication number five uh, happens in the story. When the woman comes in 
And Jesus looks at Simon and says, did you see her? Do you see her? The question he's asking is, is not a visible, do you see her? What he's asking is, do you see her? Do you see her? What's indication number five of religious unbelief? You miss hurting people. You don't see them. You just walk right by them. It means nothing to you. They're in a religious gathering. Jesus is there. He's teaching. This woman's clearly hurting, and they don't even see her. And Jesus has to ask, do you see her? Do you see them hurting people? Indication number five, you don't even see them. Indication number six of religious unbelief, a casual intellectual relationship with Jesus is summarizing all of Simon's engagement. It's self-serving. It's all self-serving. It's at no cost to himself. Anything that he could have done that would have made him uncomfortable or that would have cost him something, he doesn't do. What he does do is all of those things that will put him close enough to Jesus to use Jesus if he needs him or to build his own reputation. The entire relationship that this man, Simon, has with Jesus is to serve him. To serve him. Said another way, how do you know you have a self-serving relationship with Jesus? Because over a consistent period of time, I'm not talking like one snapshot of a day or a week, but over a period of time, you worship little, you're generous little, you serve little, you love little. But you have the Jesus points stored up in your mind if you need them, if you need to pull them out for something. So this is the Pharisee. This is the moral person in the story. Six indications of religious unbelief. Uh, but then the prostitute enters in. She's called in the story a woman of the city. She's a prostitute. Put yourself in her shoes, if she had them, her sandals. Put yourself in her sandals. She's heard of this Jesus. The story seems to indicate that her decision about Jesus has already been made prior to the story, which means at some point in time, she's already heard Jesus's language, his words, his gospel. She already knows the Jesus she's going to encounter. But think about what she's heard of Jesus. He's the friend of sinners and tax collectors. In other words, Jesus, yeah, Jesus, he's the one who's friends with people like me. She must have thought. Oh, and he's in town? Awesome. Where's he at? Simon's house. What? <laughs> What's he doing there? Don't you see how different this is than what we would normally think? What we would normally think is, well, of course Jesus is with the, the Pharisees. Let me say this in modern language. Of course Jesus is at church. And she's thinking, why would he be there? That's not Jesus I know. The Jesus I know, he's on the streets with people like me. But, but, even though Jesus is at Simon's, even though she knows the moment she walks into that courtyard, the murmurs will be loud enough for her to hear. The judgment will be thick 
the glances will follow her all the way. She gives us five indications of gospel love. Five indications of a heart changed by Christ. Five indications of the type of love that I help each and every one of us have for Jesus. Indication number one, religion can't impede it. Right now, there are barriers to her entry. She's got to walk into the party with a bunch of people who are going to judge her. And she walks right by. Why? Because Jesus is there. And she's not going to let their glances, their gossip, or anything else stop her from getting to Jesus. And nor should we. The excuse, I'm not going to church there. Those people are judgmental or hypothetical or hypocritical, whatever. You know, church, you, you might have that idea. And man, for this woman, I don't care who's in the way. I'm getting to Jesus. I'm not letting anyone else's religious behavior stop me from worshiping my king the way that he deserves. Don't let religion impede your worship of Jesus. Don't let the Pharisee dictate how you pour your heart out. Religion can't impede gospel love. When she heard that Jesus is in town, her first thought was, I'm going to bring an oil flask or or some ointment. In other words, uh, an offering is brought in gospel love. And so she uh, thinks about it in advance. I'm going to see Jesus and uh, to show Jesus that I love him, I'm going to bring an offering. I'm, I'm just going to bring something to give him. Now, the irony, of course, in the story is that the, the Pharisee has much and gives little, and the prostitute has little and gives much. She's like, I'm not going to approach my king without an offering to give without something to show him at my own cost. I love you. So she brings an offering. I mean, how many of us in our poor days of dating figured out a way somehow to get the gift? She said, I got to bring something to Jesus. He's got to know I mean this. So an offering indicates love. She gets there finally. And she just begins to weep. Emotion reveals it. Emotion reveals it. Was it embarrassing as she cried? Probably. Was it necessary? All for her in that moment, absolutely. She just began to weep. Must we cry every time we talk about Jesus or worship? Probably not. But if it's never made you emotional, I question if you've really grasped it. If it's never brought you to a point like the woman who walked in there with all the good people staring at her, with their eyes just focused on Jesus, and in his eyes and in his words, she finally heard what she had been looking for, and all she could do was weep. All she could do is say, How can you love me? How can you care about me the way that you do? tears to her eyes. My favorite pastor, Tim Keller, he's a Presbyterian. 
He says one of the ways you know the gospel is growing in you is the increasing level of emotion that you show at just the tiniest glimpses of the gospel. You just can't help it. You look and you see his love and it breaks you. Emotion reveals it. Next thing she does, she lets her hair down in public, in front of religious people. It was customary for Jewish women that once they got married, they would never let their hair down again for anyone other than their husband, especially not in public. It was a great sign of vulnerability. So there she is in front of Jesus with everyone watching on, and she lets her hair down. A prostitute, a woman who has probably let her hair down for who knows how many clients. Every time she let her hair down for one of those clients, as if to say, in this moment, it's just, it's just me and you. You can have all of me. I'll be vulnerable for here, right here in this fleeting moment of lust. But now here she is in front of Jesus, weeping letting her hair down, this time in no sexual way, but looking at Jesus as if saying, this, you are the great love of my heart. You, you are to me as a husband. To let her hair down and say, I trust you intimately, though all of my pain and all of my shame and all of my guilt and all how they think of me for you right now, I trust you. I trust you with the deepest things inside of me. Letting her hair down was a way of saying, I want you, Jesus, to know all of me. And if you discover all of me, all of, all of what I've done, all of my past, I still know you won't reject me. Perhaps that's why she was weeping. At some point, gospel love is vulnerability before Jesus saying, this is who I am, and I'm not going to try to hide it anymore. I'm not going to try to run from it. Jesus, you, you have all of me, and I'm not hiding anymore. And then last, she wipes his feet with her hair. Service shows love. See, she was willing to do, but the Pharisee wasn't. Let me say it another way. Gospel transformation leads us to serve Jesus in a way that religion never understands. Religion goes, you give how much? That's crazy. And the gospel goes, I wish I could give more. Religion looks in and goes, I would never do that. And the gospel goes, there is nothing you cannot ask. Whatever the task is. See, gospel love will serve Jesus in a way that religion can only look at and go, not me. Not me. Service. Then to Jesus shows, I love you. Whatever you need. Whatever you would ask of me, it's yours. It's yours. And after all of this, 
Jesus goes, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. Because there was a banker, kind of like a, a dead shark. He made two loans, one small, one big. Both of the payments or the, uh, the payments came due, and he forgave them both. Which one will be more grateful? He asked this to Simon. Simon says, well, the one who had the larger debt. Jesus goes, great job, Simon. You answered the question correctly. And the story is just a picture of the gospel. In fact, what it shows us is four gospel truths in the story. Gospel truth number one, we all owe a debt. Gospel truth number two, the fair thing is the repayment of the debt. Gospel truth number three, forgiveness frees us from the payment. Gospel truth number four, the more we perceive we owe, the more grateful we are for being forgiven. Let me say it more clearly. The debt is sin, a debt we all owe. The fair thing is for us to pay the payment of our debt, our sin, but we can never pay it. We can't work hard enough. We can't attend enough. We can't do anything enough to pay the debt of our sin. But Christ and his death on the cross was the payment of our sin that covers the debt and frees us from the punishment. And the more we think we needed it, the more grateful we'll be which leads us to three applications and recap. Number one, your perception of your depravity will affect the impact of grace. See, the point of this story is not that Simon was a small sinner and the prostitute was a big sinner. The point of the story is that the Pharisee thought he was a small sinner and the prostitute knew she was a big sinner. The point of the story is that when you look at life through the lens of the Pharisee that I have sinned little and therefore need grace little, then you will respond with the six indications of religious unbelief. And the presence of those six indications of religious unbelief are the fact that it is what you believe regardless of what you say. The point of Jesus' story then was for each of us to get to the point where we look in the story and say, I'm the prostitute who has run after every other love, who has whored myself out to other idols and loves and have not yet run to the feet of Jesus. But in the moment when she did all, else changed. The more we perceive of our own sinfulness, the more grace will move us and our lives will reflect the five indications of gospel love. Number two, the gospel reveals whether or not the heart loves Jesus or is using Jesus. The Pharisees saw the sinful woman's actions, but didn't see her. Jesus saw the Pharisee's heart and didn't care about his actions. The gospel then 
reveals. Does our heart love Jesus? And are these actions then coming out of love? Or is the heart using Jesus? Application three, similarly. We either use Jesus to satisfy something in us or we are satisfied so deeply in Christ, we let him use us for his purpose. Said another way, we either keep Jesus around so that when we're in need, he can satisfy it, or we've already found so much satisfaction in Jesus that regardless of our circumstances, we worship Jesus, love Jesus, and even in those moments say, you've already given me all that I need. Jesus, what do you want of me? The gospel then reveals this. Do I run to Jesus for him to satisfy something that I want? Or am I so deeply satisfied in him that he is all that I want? the Pharisee, or the prostitute. At the end of the story, then, there's two outcomes. Outcome number one is questioning Jesus, questioning the gospel, questioning this faith. Outcome number one is looking in at the story and saying, I don't know about this. This seems like too much. Outcome number one is looking in and saying, uh, an offering indicates love, vulnerability, emotion. I don't know about that. Like, I'll just maintain my casual, intellectual, self-centered relationship with Jesus, and that'll be enough. I question all this other stuff. That's outcome one. Outcome two is the prostitute goes in peace. Option two is to walk in peace as it relates to Jesus. Now you have peace with your heavenly father and your sins are forgiven and your debt is paid and the guilt and the shame is lifted and there is now freedom in Christ. Outcome two is knowing I have peace with my past. I have peace with the heavenly father. And regardless of what is thrown at me, I have peace moving into the future. That that peace can't be taken from me which leads me to one question. One question at the end. Do you love him as she did? Do you love Jesus as the prostitute did? Does it make you emotional? You don't have to weep. But do you gaze at the story of the cross and think, why would you do that for me? Do you hear the gospel, see glimpses of it, and it still moves you? Regardless of how long you've been doing this, do you still get melted by the gospel and say, what more do you want? I've been holding back. Do you still wake up with an anticipation of saying, I'm going to meet Jesus in church today and I'm going to run in and I'm going to bring my offering and I'm going to lay my heart out and I'm going to open it up and say, and speak to me. 
Do you love him as she did? Thanks for watching this video. If you want to learn more about our church, go ahead and click the link in the description or head on over to experienceredemption.com. Have a great week, guys.